Dan, I didn't get a chance to tell you last night, thank you for that song. It just beautiful, beautiful song and words. And that's my hope for you this Christmas season. You know, this holiday brings with it a whole lot of different emotions and circumstances of life that leave us sometimes high on a mountaintop and excited and other times really struggling. And wherever you're at, today in that journey, I hope that God's word and the account that we're going to look at today brings you peace and great encouragement and hope, hope that's real, hope that lasts. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys out. Those of you that are new to MCC, we especially welcome you. And I hope that at some point you will complete that welcome home card so that we can begin that journey with you of encouraging you and seeing you back each week. Well, grab your Bible and find the Gospel of Luke. Luke is in the second half of your Bible. It's one of four Gospel accounts of Jesus' time here on earth. And in Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at the lives of two people whose names are probably not as familiar as the other names in the Christmas account. If I were to say to you, Joseph, many of you would connect and say, oh, that was Jesus' earthly father or, or Mary. Everybody knows who Mary is. But today I want to look at two, two individuals who were brought in to the account of Jesus' birth who lived a life of faithfulness, who lived through difficulty in their own life, who held closely to the promises of God and did not give up until they saw God's promise fulfilled in their life. So let's pray together and we'll dive right into Luke chapter 2. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ who opened the way for us to know your love and grace in our lives and certainly peace, Father, in a world that's broken, a peace that brings reconciliation, consolation, redemption between us and your Father and ours, God in heaven. And so today, God, as we open your word, may it penetrate the deepest crevices of our heart and spirit. And may it bring forth the response that you desire and that, quite frankly, you deserve. It's in the name of Jesus that we listen to you now. Amen. Well, in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, we read that on the eighth day, this is the eighth day after Jesus is born in the manger, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And we looked at that last week in Matthew and Luke and John's account, when the time of purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary, they bring him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So what we see here are two parents doing what God had required of them to do during this time period. After a child was born, specifically the firstborn son, they, there were three things that would take place. First is the cutting the way of the flesh, circumcision. What this did was it identified this child as one of God's people, the nation of Israel. That was an outward sign of what God was doing inside of the heart's of people. The second thing is that the child was to be counted in the registry as a citizen 
of Israel. And the third thing, the third thing is the consecration. Today we call that baby dedication. In fact, if you are here next Sunday evening, I think at the five o'clock service, maybe at the seven, you're going to see one of our families, one of our newborns. And in this case, after the 40 days of purification, after Mary had healed up from the delivery, they were to bring Jesus, this child, this firstborn male into the temple, and they were to set him apart. It's not baptism. It's not sprinkling. It is simply saying, God, this child belongs to you. We are going to train this child in your word that this child would ultimately choose you when they come of that age of being able to decide whether that's seven years old, whether that's 10 years old. And so that's what they did. At 40 days after the child was born, they came to the temple and they dedicated this child. That's what they're doing in verse 23. And so Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, they were here at the temple when in walks Simeon. Now Simeon is described as a man well advanced in years. You take a look at Bill Stone, for example. He is a man well advanced in years. Now, there are three things also that Luke points out to us about Simeon. And there are three things that are important. You're going to hear this throughout the message today that are important in your life and mine if you are already a Christ follower. And the first thing is his walk. We're going to look at his walk with God. The second thing that's pointed out here is his life of worship, the daily surrender of his own will to the will of God and Simeon's witness to others, the three W, walk, worship, and witness. You see, no matter how old we are, we are to always be walking with God. There is no age when you can check out. There is no season in your life when your legs are tired and you just want to stay home. That is not included here in Simeon's life. In fact, we're going to see that Simeon is quite advanced in age, and yet here he is right where he wanted and was supposed to be. Our worship, our worship should continue to deepen as we become older. We stand when we worship. Yes, our legs hurt, but we stand before him. We kneel down before him, even if someone has to help us up. But it goes beyond those outward things. Worship is that constant surrender of our will, our desires, to God's will and God's desires for our life. And finally, his witness. God wants to use us, God does use us, and he will continue to use us to accomplish his purposes in our life and the lives of those around us. And that's what Luke draws our attention to. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. In fact, it says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple. Now here's what we're about to see from Simeon's experience. God reveals his word 
God reveals his word, his ways, and his work to those who are walking with him. Does God seem silent in your life? Do do you wonder why the things are happening around you or in your life happening to you? Do you wonder why? If you want to know the answer to the question why, these are the three things that we can be doing and be certain to receive the answer. God reveals his word and his ways and his work to those who are walking with him. I've often said we do not have to wait until heaven in order to get the answer to our questions of why. Anybody there with me? I I used to hear the aged among me say, Well, we won't know this side of heaven. I think that's malarkey. I really do. And let me explain this to you. And those of you who understand this, who have experienced this in your life, you you know this. The reason why we can't figure out why is because why is where we stop. When something happens in our life, we just want to go, why, 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 why would you allow this to happen to me? And the reason why we wonder why is we have no idea what God's promises are for us. You can buy a little book that lists all of God's promises, promises for those of you who are graduating, promises for those of you who are aged. You know, you pick your promises in these books. I encourage you to start making a list and keeping it on your phone. Put it on your mirror at home. Those of you who want to get tattoos, tattoo it on your arms or on your belly, whatever it is that you look at the most. But hold God's promises in front of you because God keeps his promises. And no matter what situation it is in your life that's causing you to ask why, the answer is found not in giving up, not in sulking or complaining or feeling sorry for yourself. The answer is found in being faithful and following and waiting on God to answer his promises. I can look at every circumstance in my little life of 55 years. And those of you who know me, you know that I've lived a little bit. Not living like hell, but I've lived hell. Disease in those that I love the most. Death. Failure on people's part to keep their commitments to me. Rejection right? You're no stranger to these things, but there is not an answer to the question why that I have not seen revealed through faithfulness and through God's word and understanding his promises. Simeon, we are told, was righteous and devout. What does that mean? It means that he was good with God. It means that they were like this, He was right with God. He had aligned his life with the word of God. God's word says, live this way as a man, Simeon, and Simeon lived it. He didn't doubt it. He didn't dismiss it. God's character had become his character. When you heard Simeon, when you saw Simeon, you you, you couldn't distinguish the two. He was obedient to God and his commands. His eyes... His eyes were set 
on watching what God was doing. Over and over again in the New Testament, we are commanded to not set our eyes or our hearts on things below, but to do what? To set them on things above. We are to be looking for what God was doing. He was waiting, he was looking for the consolation, the comfort, the answer to God's promise to Israel. He was waiting on God to do what God had promised to do. And God had promised the Christ. And so Simeon lived every day looking for God to answer that promise. He walked with God, God's spirit was upon him, and he was a man filled with the spirit. His ears were open. His ears were open, not to all the noise that was around him, but it was open to hear what the spirit would say to him. And in verse 26, he had heard God's promise to him, right? This promise that was made to him. He heard God's promise and he heard God's plan, two things for his own life that both pointed to this Jesus. Let me ask you, what is the Spirit saying to you? Because everyone in here who has died to Christ and risen with Christ, when, when a person is baptized, sometimes we mistakenly say uh, forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. Listen, you already, you were made an eternal being. You're gonna spend eternity in hell or you're gonna spend eternity in heaven. It, it's one or the other. You're not given eternity. You're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promised spirit, the spirit that seals us for that day when Christ returns for us. So what is that spirit, God's spirit, who comforts us, who leads us into all truth? What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you right now in your life? I can tell you what he's not saying. Last weekend on Saturday night, I was about a page and a half into my sermon. And it just was, I've never, I've never I felt this when I was sitting down here waiting to get up to preach. But I've never felt it when I was right here. And I'm telling you, there was a voice shouting in my ear, just run. Just get out of there. I, I, it, it wasn't anything that the crowd was doing or, or not doing, but it was just almost deafening. I couldn't get past it. There, I didn't like the message. I, I didn't like the way that I was presenting it. I was distracted by everything. And, and there was this voice that just, just get out of it, just run. And listen, if you ever see my car backed into the door, you know it's going to be one of those weekends. <laughs> when the preacher backs the car in, that means he's going to hit it and run. But I promise you, I'm never, I'm never going to run. I have never in my life run. But that day, so let me tell you, that was not the Holy Spirit telling me to run. And neither is it the Holy Spirit right now that is condemning you and saying, just give up. It's not the Holy Spirit who is telling you, I'm, I'm just not going to be able to make it through the holidays. It's not the Holy Spirit that is telling you that you're, I, I'm never going to see the answer to why I struggle so this time of year. He wants to confirm his promise to you. He wants to lead you in faithfulness so that you can wait on the consolation, so that you can see his promise fulfilled in your life. 
So don't give up. Don't step back. Don't run away. Wait on him. Walk with him. Verse 26 tells us that God had promised Simeon that he would not see death until he saw Jesus. Now, those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament, if you've been with us this year, you know that there are only two other people that I know of in Scripture or in all of history who did not see death. Anyone from this section, tell me who that was in the book of Genesis. Who's the first person that we, that we saw escaped physical death on this earth? Who, who was it? Enoch. Right? No, great, great. We'll, we'll get to Elijah in just a minute. Enoch, right? Enoch, it said, walked with God, and then he was no more, right? Well, one day he's walking with God. They're doing life together. And God says, okay, you've gone far enough. Just stay with me, right? You're finished. The second was Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2. Elijah and his protege, his apprentice, Elisha, they were on their way to the Jordan. And verse 11 reads, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Can you imagine the ride? But can you imagine God just coming and beaming you up? without going through the difficulty sometimes that we experience in death. Simeon was walking with God. He was in step with God's spirit. Galatians 5, 26, keep in step with the spirit. He was fulfilling the purpose God had for his life. He was obedient to the spirit. And what? His death was delayed. God gave him a promise, you will not die until the Messiah is born. And listen, it's a lesson that we as a people have been learning the hard way, especially over these last three years. I have preached this over and over again. God has been trying to teach us over these last three years in our own generation that death does not rule over man. God rules over death. We are so afraid of what's going to take our life in this age. In fact, we're so afraid of it that we'll give up all of the things that God has commanded because we wonder how he's going to work it out. Whether it's an infectious disease, whether it's a diagnosis, and all of a sudden, what do we do as a people? We're put to the test and the majority have recoiled instead of leaning in. You'll never see God's promises fulfilled in your life if you're always running away. You're always stepping back. Death does not rule over men. God rules over death. The Bible says that God is the one who has numbered our days. And that's not in a bad way. That's in a good way. That means that only God knows. And God decides when our time on this earth is through. And so that gives us great freedom to live, but it also is a daily reminder that no matter what, no matter what, our life should be in alignment with him. Every moment of every day. 
It's been said by tradition that Simeon was 200 years old, preserved by God's promise. You know, I wonder if he had a second thought when he hit about 150. And he was saying, God, you know, I'm waiting. I, I wonder if he's like us. And he got to that point in his life where he said, God, I know what you promised, but I'm just done. I'm just done. I'm so tired. I'm sure he did. But he stayed and he was faithful to the end. Are you faithful like that? Because God wants to pull you into his story. Psalm 25, 14, I hadn't found this passage, read over it a hundred times, but I hadn't found this passage until this week. It says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. What, what a statement. In fact, the NLT, New Living Translation says that the Lord's secrets belong to those who walk with him. God wants to reveal himself to you through his word, his ways, and his work. But listen, God will only take you as far as you want to go with him. He'll only take you as far as you want to go with him. And if you only want to go a short distance, he'll take you that far. But if you say, I want to go further with you, he will take you as far as you want to go. And so for all of you who are Simeons in this room, for all the Simeons in this room that are hoping and waiting for all that God has for you, and for all the Annas that we're about to look at who have suffered in this life. God has more for you than you have ever imagined or hoped for. I want you to think about that. He has promises that he will fulfill only if we follow through and be present for them to be fulfilled. That didn't sound right. He's gonna fulfill every promise. It's just a matter of whether you stay with the game long enough to see them fulfilled in your life. Simeon stayed the course. He was a man of follow through. Look at verse 27. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. I, I want you to notice something there, moved by the spirit. That means he didn't go to the temple courts because of rumors. Uh, I remember in my home church, the preacher just up and left one weekend. He had been thinking about it for a long time, but one weekend he just resigned and he was gone. And that Wednesday night, we normally had a crowd of about 200 like here for Wednesday night service. That night the room was packed, over 700 people. Why? Because they wanted to come and hear why. Because of the rumor, right? Let's go to church and let's see what's going on this week. Let's hear a little bit about the drama. Aren't you so glad that we don't have drama around here? My goodness, the only drama that goes on here is on the platform on Wednesday night when you get Jake dressed up as a pirate, right? Man, we had a good time at midweek. But Simeon, notice it wasn't rumors, it wasn't the social gathering, it wasn't the free meal, even though a free meal is a good reason to come. No, it wasn't an obligation. 
but it was the Spirit of God who led Simeon to church that day, just like every day. He was going because the Spirit who lives inside every believer, and you've heard his voice, you've just been ignoring it, his Spirit was saying, Simeon, I've got something for you today. You be in my house today. This day that seems so ordinary, you follow through and you're going to see it. And even though Simeon said, but my knees hurt. But what if I get leprosy from the guy that's standing outside? But what if the preacher isn't preaching and the youth guy's on today? That brings a bigger crowd at our church. It's something that you discover through consistency, my friends, is that God can take a normal weekend and he can turn it into a radical weekend in your life if you will let him. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms And praising God, he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. What's he saying? Take me home. I stayed. I finished the race, right? I fought the good fight. I kept kept the faith. Everything that I've spent my life looking for, that promise of yours, I've seen it fulfilled for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light of revelation to the gentiles and for glory to your people israel when i heard simeon's words you know the first person that i thought of it reminded me of job in the old testament job the guy that was the most righteous man in all the earth who faced demonic attack like no one has ever seen since job Job, who was celebrating having a family and fields and cattle and great wealth. He had a nagging wife, his only downfall, but but he had everything else. And one day, one day while his kids were at a party, and I thought about you college students, thought about you high school students who think it's just one night, it's just one party, Every Christian parent will tell you and every Christian parent will lead our children to not buy into that false lie. Job used to sacrifice, give up sacrifices to God in advance for his children just in case they were sinning. And here they were, all 10 or 12 of them, they were all at a party, they were probably drunk when the roof fell in on the house and killed them all. Can you imagine the devastation that that brought to Job? Can you imagine the question why that had to rise up in this righteous man's heart? Not only that, his home was destroyed, his kids were killed, his health was taken from him, he raised up in boils, his friends did nothing to encourage him, his wife was right there nagging him, But I thought about Job's words because Job remained faithful through all of this devastation. Think about the things that Simeon saw in his life. Even if he just lived a hundred years, my goodness, think about the things that he experienced in 
his life. In Job chapter 42, verse 7, Job makes this statement that shook me to the core 30 years ago, and it still does to this day, when he said, my ears had heard of you, God, but now my eyes have seen you. It's the same thing that Simeon is saying, God, God, I heard your promise, (coughs) but it was only in the valley of the shadow of this life. (laughs) that is sometimes just so hard. In faithfulness now, I've seen, I've seen you. And I've seen your promise. Simeon, when he sees Mary and Joseph come in with the baby Jesus, 40 days old. You know, Sarah loves to smell babies, my Sarah. Last, uh, last Wednesday night, just a couple nights ago, she was holding some baby. I don't even know where that baby came from, Right? But she was holding this baby. She was sniffing that baby, not checking the diaper, but, but like sniffing that baby, right? Like a puppy sniffs his pups, right? Because babies smell a certain way. At least clean babies do. And, and you've seen people, right? When they get a baby in their arms, it's like they turn into just an imbecile. They're like, baby, baby, baby. You know, they say these little stupid little things. No wonder kids grow up to be so dumb talking to them like that. But notice Simeon. Simeon takes the Christ child into his arms and he doesn't start talking to the baby. He doesn't start acting all stupid. He doesn't start sniffing Jesus out. You know, hey, is that a scent of goat that I smell on you or cow? But he takes him up in his arms and he starts talking to God and he breaks out in worship. He says, the world may be chaotic, but I'm holding the answer, the consolation, the peace. He's saying, my eyes may be old and I've seen a lot of things, but I'm seeing clearly that I'm holding the light of the world. I heard your promise, God, and now I see it fulfilled. But notice it's not all about him either. Yes, he realizes that God's allowed him to see what he had promised he would see. But Simeon recognized the impact of the Christ's arrival on the world around him. And in his worship, Simeon bears witness to this reality in verse 32, that he is a light of revelation to the Gentiles, to those who are outside of Christ. He's the answer to God's people's prayers. And this is what happens in the life of the believer who holds Jesus close. The believer who holds Jesus, not the baby Jesus, but the resurrected King of kings and the Lord of lords. The believer who holds Jesus close lives a life of worship. We credit God with all that he's done, with all that he's doing, with all that he's promised and all that he's fulfilled. Jesus is the point of it all. And while Simeon holds the baby Jesus, in verse 36, the second figure in Luke's account, Anna, arrives on the scene. Anna, verse 36, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She's very old. Luke must not have liked old people. Here's another old one, he says. She had lived with her husband, and here, get this. Some of you really going to connect with this. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Can you imagine? She never left the temple but worshiped night and day 
fasting and praying. Coming up to Mary and Joseph at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. In three verses, in three verses, we see Anna's walk with God, her worship of God, and her witness. Notice her walk. She has gone through some things in her life. But I don't see her as bitter, mad, or upset. Now, Naomi in the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth, remember Naomi? She said, just call me Mara, right? Just call me bitter. Call me old hag. Because that's the way I'm acting, and that's the way I'm going to be. And we've all met those people who bad things have happened in their life. And so they're going to wear it. They're going to wear it as a badge, and they're going to make sure everybody knows how miserable they are. She comes in that day. God, I lost my husband. God, why would you do that to me? God, 60 years, don't you think that's long enough for me to live as a widow? No, none of those things. She's not bitter. She's also not cranky because she's been fasting. Notice she's not pushing people out of the way saying, let me be first in the food line. I've earned it. I see her walk as flourishing, faithfully serving, gratefully praying. And she's there on this day because she's there every day. For the last 60 years, she shows up, not just on the weekend, but throughout the week. You know, I used to not like coming into the office much. I'm still not much on an office. I love being out with people. When I first came, there were only 60 of us. I would go to different widows' homes and I'd sit on their back porch and they'd feed me a sandwich and chips and I'd work on my sermon for a while. We'd talk for a while. It was everything that a young minister, well, I wasn't that young, but you know, it, it, was, it was really neat. It was really neat. And so I was able to avoid the office, but these days I got to come in here to be sure Jake got up on time and that David's doing something right and Dan's got his new strings on his guitar. You know, all these things that we have to do. But one of the things that has made being in the office such a joy are the widows who come in for Thursday morning Bible study, talking about their week, stop by the office and drop off those little pecan muffins, you know where they put so much sugar in it, you can't get the wrapper off. And they say, well, just, just chew on it long enough. It'll be good for you, right? Lynn or Gary or Gary, some of our retired guys come by to do something outside and they let me get on the tractor or do the easy job, but I get to hang out with them for a little bit to make sure the grounds keep looking nice. Or when Kay and Nancy come to clean up after Pam and Amy downstairs with their hazmat suits on. Those who stop by the parking lot just to pray, yes, I see you pull up out there. And I know it's just a safe place where you can come and you don't even have to get out of your car, but you can find peace for a little bit from the crazy world that you're living in and take a deep breath. Crystal and Miley and their family collecting OCC shoe boxes. Deva being here on the fourth Monday with hundreds of cars lined up to give food to. It's a wonderful thing to see those who come to the church to pray and to serve or to help in some way. This is how Anna spent her entire adult life. This was not only her walk, this was her worship. 
You see, this is what worship is. It's enjoying the Lord and enjoying the ministry, whatever he had for her. And when you live a life of worship like this, God takes ordinary days and makes them extraordinary. This was just gonna be an ordinary day for Anna coming to the temple, pray, serve, do the things that she had done. Every day when in verse 36 she gets to see the Messiah, the one that God had been promising for centuries. And in verse 38, she made it a point to tell everyone. Isn't that what we're all looking for in our lives? <laughs> Is some sort of purpose, some sort of redemption that what has been allowed to happen in our life, that our life itself would be useful or meaningful of some value. Isn't that what we're looking for is that when someone makes a promise, aren't we looking for that person that will make us a promise and then keep that promise? Because if you're like me, you're so tired of the, the void and empty promises that being faithful really means something. You see, for so many, this is the toughest season that we face every year. But if you're honest, what you're looking for is exactly what Jesus came to bring. He brought consolation. He brought redemption. He brought purpose. He brought meaning for it all. And he is found every day by those who are willing to walk with him, worship him, and bear witness to the reality of the promises that he has made, he will and does fulfill. The question is, is will we stay long enough? Will we stay long enough to see it through? Last weekend, we had two more families. I don't know if you've kept track, I haven't. I haven't, I'm too busy on Mondays and Tuesdays calling all of you who are new to MCC. But last weekend we had two more families who took their next step publicly in their quest to walk with God, worship with God, and be a witness for God by joining the family here as immersed believers. Those of you who were here last weekend, you saw Luke and Michelle Winger and their family, Ireland and Finley and Holland. Now, they had a few extra with them last weekend just showing off. They wanted you to see they could have 18 kids like some of you have in the church. But you're going to love getting to know them, and you're going to love getting to know their heart for the Lord. You also met Miriam Scott, a young adult who knows how to make great quesadillas. She joined our family here. But here's what I encourage you to do. We put these pictures up here for a reason. And that is so that you will see their face and that you will eventually make your way to them and not just introduce yourself, but ask them about their story. Every person here has a story. The thing that I'm most interested in in a person's life is what brought you to Jesus Christ? What, what made you surrender to him? Why, why be part of his church, his family. And what you're going to hear, what you're going to hear no matter who you ask, is you're going to hear a story of God's redemption 
or a story of God's consolation in their life. Because God wants to do, he is doing, and he will do the same in your life and mine. That's the challenge. And it's especially challenging during the holidays. I hope that you will be a Simeon, that you will be an Anna, that you will be the you that God desires and died for that you could be. Let's stand and let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the Simeons and Annas around us today who encourage us in our walk with you, our worship of you, and bear witness of your faithfulness in keeping your word. And so right now, I pray for those who've come to this place looking for consolation, looking for redemption, looking for relief, looking for the joy that has escaped them of late. And Father, may each one of us, if we haven't already, may we turn our eyes to you. May we set our sights on things above, not things below. May we stand toe-to-toe with your son Jesus in the reality that you are here for us. You have come to redeem and console and reconcile us to you, and we love you. Some of us have declared that we are yours. And so today, may we declare anew, do with us as you will. No matter the trial, no matter the circumstance, Lord, we will lean into your promise because we want to stay and see it fulfilled. Father, for those who've come seeking today, we know that you are found because you say that when man looks to you, that you don't hide, but you make yourself clear. May they run to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to take your next step, there'll be a couple of us back at the next steps wall in the back. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to help you get into the water and to be baptized and receive Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. If you're here today and you want to be part of this church family, as you've seen dozens do over the last couple of months even, If you're an immersed believer, we welcome you with arms wide open. We want to encourage you and continue to challenge you in your walk with him. If you're simply challenged by this Christmas season, I'm so grateful. I got text after text last night. I talked to person after person last night who had reached out, just took that chance, right, with the card last week and gave it to a son or a daughter or a family member who had not darken the door of a church for decades to only say yes mom I'll be glad to be there with you Christmas Eve my friends don't give up let us pray with you and encourage you as you do what God's calling you to do whatever your need Jesus Christ is here with the answer come as we sing